Hey, I'm Corey. And I'm Lori. And this is the Nourish Circle Podcast. Join the band as we gather in our Nourish Circle and talk all things weight-inclusive, haze, non-diet, and whatever else is nourishing us. Today's episode is brought to you by our Join the Band Teespring store. Click the link in our show notes to check out our badass non-diet dietitian merchandise. Today on the Nourish Circle, we are talking to Ashley Suruya, who is a virtual assistant, social work intern, and content creator specializing in health at every size, eating disorder recovery, and weight stigma. Her work can be found on her website at ashleysuruya.com and on Instagram at Bay. Hi, Ashley. Welcome so much to the Nourish Circle podcast today. Hey, Lori. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yay. And just so everyone knows, Corey is ill today and really doesn't have a voice. So um, we're going to try and do this on our own because she was like, no, no, go on with the podcast. The show must go on. So that's what we're going to do. So thank you so much for becoming part of the Nurse Circle. It's very exciting to have you. Um, You and I got to meet earlier this year in New York. Um, which I thought was super cool because I love your doodles, which we're going to talk about today. And so it was kind of nice to meet the person behind the doodles. Yeah, it's always nice to put a a real face behind a social account, you know, because no one ever looks exactly like their picture. No. Uh, (laughs) It's always like, is that you maybe? And like, Yes. (laughs) But yeah, it's always really nice to to meet people in person, especially in terms of just, um, you know, community effectiveness like online is great and you know sustains us to some degree but being able to meet in person I feel like makes so much of a difference in terms of uh just being able to sustain our work without burning out and feeling really alone oh 100% I always leave um those events feeling like my cup is full for lack of a better word yeah um, so we like to start off with, um, because this is just an audio, um, letting anyone know of any privileges, identities, or paradigms that frame your work. Yeah, so I am a queer, Jewish, fat, cisgender woman. I think that's cool. Yeah, those. Um, (laughs) um, I don't identify as white, but I do acknowledge that I have white passing privilege. Um, White passing privilege in the Jewish community is a really complex conversation. uh, And it depends on, you know, who you're around. Uh, You know, for example, in some cases I'm white passing and in some cases, no, I'm definitely not white passing. Interesting. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So it's a, it's a complicated identity thing for most Jews, I think. which is why I always identify as Jewish. I also just, I was raised culturally Jewish. Um, when I was younger, people would say, what are you? My answer would be Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why I don't use white, but um, that's sort of a, a tangent. Um, but yeah, and then in terms of my small fatness, um, I'm like a size 16, 18. I have hourglass privilege and small fat privilege, yeah. Cool. Thank you for sharing all that. And you work from a um, health at every size paradigm? Yes. So health at every size paradigm focused on weight stigma, focused on applying <clears throat> weight stigma and health at every size to eating disorder recovery specifically. 
Very cool. So can you give us a little bit um, of background history on the path of how you got to where you are today? Uh, what environment you're working in? What's your role? Um, and how you work with eating disorders and haze and all that kind of fun, cool stuff. Yeah. So um, I came to this because of my own eating disorder, in short. Um, but uh, as a young kid, I used food to cope because that's our built-in coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, it was neutral. And then my body wasn't... Um, my body wasn't lanky. My body wasn't uh, a string bean, for lack of a, a better descriptor. And uh, quickly, my binging behavior, my emotional eating, my coping eating, whatever you want to call it, um, was attached to my larger body and attached to um, me not feeling well. I was a, I was a quote-unquote sick kid. I was one of those kids that always had to go to the doctor. Um, in hindsight, I was anxious and I was having a psychosomatic, uh, effect. I was nauseous all the time. Um, but nobody knew that or nobody connected the dots. Mm -hmm. And so instead it was, oh, you know, you eat poorly, you eat too much and you know, you're fat. And so this is all about, you know, <clears throat> what you're eating, how you're eating and that we need to fix it. So by the time I was like eight, nine, ten. Um, I was dieting with my mother. Wow. Um, I was, you know, I did Weight Watchers. I did um, Atkins. I did South Beach. Oh God, I remember those South Beach lunches. They're disgusting. Oh, um, <laughs> I didn't know what a South Beach lunch would be. Yeah, to be honest, it was, it was like this, like wrap, and like it was terrible. Um, <laughs> oh no! And there was a lot of. Uh, at one point, I went to an endocrinologist who actually wasn't extremely fat shaming to me, which was somewhat of a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. um, but because I went to this endocrinologist, I also went to a nutritionist who was extremely fat shaming. Oh, um, she was one of those like uh, success stories, quote unquote. And I find very often people who have lost a significant amount of weight are the most fat phobic and vitriolic <laughs> to the rest of us. Yeah. Um, so I ended up, because of that nutritionist, as well as, um, so because of that nutritionist, I had to keep a notebook of what I was eating. So I sort of uh, picked up the tracking habit. And then I went on a service trip to Costa Rica my sophomore year of high school. And when I came back, I had lost a certain amount of weight, which to me was a big deal because I had never been able to lose weight um, in any kind of sustainable way. Like it was like, oh, if I ate a little bit less a certain day, I'd be like down a pound or two, but that's all okay. water weight. Like we know that's not a real thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so simply by the fact that like I was being much more active than I'm used to. Um, we were like building a school and hiking and, you know, a lot of yeah. stuff that I actually enjoyed. It was the first time I really um, enjoyed moving my body. And, you know, it was just sort of a side effect that I lost weight. Mm -hmm. But at that point I had so much, um, there was so much meaning behind losing weight that I was like, all right, I figured it out. Like I'm going to keep doing it. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So, um, then came my fitness pal. That was my mm -hmm. calorie counting tracker of choice. Um, and it just sort of, uh, took off from there. Things became more and more restrictive. My, um, <clears throat> my junior year of high school, I experienced a very prolonged sexual trauma, which I think just kind of pushed everything over the edge. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> 
And then by the time I was graduating high school, I actually um, had completely swung over to the binge end of the spectrum. So I'd been restricting for a really long time. And then my body was just like, nah, fuck you. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we're done. Yeah. <laughs> so I started binging a lot. And, you know, my conceptualization of it at the time was, you know, I'm out of control. I, you know, have no willpower. Um, you know, really trying to rein it in, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And of course, every time I tried to do that, it just, it just continued the whole cycle. Um, but you know, again, I didn't understand that at the time. Yeah. And then I went off to college and I was terrified of the, um, dining hall. Oh yes, of course. Yes. And so I ate granola for like the first semester. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and um, it maybe wasn't the first semester. It was up, up until like Thanksgiving, which is almost the first semester. Which but. is November for you guys, right? Yes. Yes. yes sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, I'm in my brain. I'm like, I think this is different. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so at a certain point in like towards the second half of my um, uh, freshman year of college, I basically started utilizing the dining hall as like my binge uh uh, source like I'd go down and get pizza and, and put it in like this little lunch container that I had and I'd go up to my dorm and be like okay that's the last time and then of course I'd go down numerous times yeah. I also was over exercising at this point there was a, a gym in the first floor of our building and I would like read my textbooks on the treadmill and the the like stationary bike and stuff mm -hmm. um I so remember just seeing that a lot in university no, yeah it was yeah. bad yeah. <laughs> it was just really bad mm -hmm. um and it just felt so shameful and I felt out of control I felt physically terrible you know it was doing a number on my digestive system um you know it was just I was exhausted uh I couldn't concentrate on you know in class <clears throat> and then I went home for my spring break my freshman year and I said to my mom I was like look I have an eating disorder I'm exhausted I can't do this anymore I need help um so basically I self-advocated I will say that like growing up I very often would say things like can we go see ther a therapist or can we go see a family therapist can we you know like I very often mm -hmm. reached out for help um and was mostly ignored which is unfortunate but luckily by the time you know things were pretty dire um mm -hmm. I was old enough to kind of demand that that something be done yeah. um so my mother and I found a therapist and I started seeing her out in LA and she wasn't an eating disorder therapist. It was, she was more of just like a accept who you are therapist, oh, okay. um, <laughs> which works. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, she helped me really unpack a lot of my trauma, unpack a lot of, um, you know, my, my, my social trauma, my family trauma, um, my sexual trauma and how it all connected with my food behavior. Mm -hmm. And that was huge. Um, yeah. And then by the time I was, I want to say a junior in college, I had found the intuitive eating book, which I'm pretty sure I found because of Kelsey Miller. Okay. Um, I had found Isabel Fox and Duke. Mm -hmm. um, and then by the time I was a senior, I was, I was really like looking for recovery resources. I would say I was like embarking on the first steps of real true recovery. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was in that sort of binge restrict uh pendulum stage for like two years or so but um I then found Christy's podcast at the beginning of of my senior year of college and I like it was just 
it was like the sky opened with, <laughs> with information. It was, um, it was, so you're, you're talking about the food psych podcast by Christine Yes, Harrison. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. I just thought I'd throw that in there. It, yes. It's the gateway to many. I know. It is. It yeah. definitely is. And, you know, I remember listening to the episode that Christy did on the Minnesota starvation experiment um, yes. study, which if, for those of you who don't know, basically um, a group of men who uh, were not participating in the draft because of religious reasons uh, were helping, quote unquote, the war by participating in research. And the research was focused on um, what are the long-term impacts of starvation because there were a lot of uh, food shortages because of the war. And so basically these men who were screened beforehand, they were uh, judged to be mentally and physically in great health, Mm -hmm. um, didn't have any history of psychiatric issues. And they were put on a diet of, I'm not, I can't recall the number off the top of my head, but basically the amount that we're told to eat, like on the back of every wrapper where it tells you like, this is based off of an X number calorie diet. Like that's what they were told to eat. Yeah. So arguably something we don't consider restrictive. Yes. Um, and they basically over the course of a couple of months developed extreme eating disorders and extreme obsession about food. Uh, and it, blew my mind, basically. It it, it really was a reminder, or not at that point a reminder, but it really showed me that, like, my body was doing exactly what it was supposed to do. Um, I wasn't wrong. My body's reactions weren't wrong. And in fact, the things that I was told were right, which was, you know, restriction, um, deprivation, the things I told were right and good for my health were actually driving me into this binge restrict cycle, um, that the binging was my body just trying to keep me alive. Yeah. So that was a big shift for me. And then by the time I was about to graduate, I was like, all right, let me, you know, I was applying for places. I was planning to come back to New York and I was like, maybe I'll just like shoot Christy's email. Like what's the harm? I don't know. And part of me was just like, I want to be her friend. And part of me was like, (laughs) maybe she can employ me. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, we finally got in contact with one another and, um, she was like, oh, actually like funny enough, my dietetics interns leaving in, in May because that's when her semester ends and that's when you're coming back and I need like a real full-time person that I can train. So yeah, here it's January, take some podcast stuff. Let me make sure you like know what you're doing and then, and then we'll start. And I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. Okay. Yeah. So I kind of fell into this virtual assistant, social media manager role. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, I, I came back to New York and I was like, okay, I know I want to be a social worker. I'd gone to school for English, okay, a creative writing English degree. And I loved it and it informs my work today and I don't regret it in any way, shape or form. But by the mm-hmm. time I was uh, graduating, I had really um, rediscovered my identity as someone who really felt deeply about social justice and human rights. Um, and I had decided that I wanted to be a social worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically I was trying to find a way to use the technical expertise that I had in like English and writing to get me into this human services space that I otherwise wouldn't be able to work in because I had no credentials to do so. Yeah. So that was sort of, the impetus for turning my work with Christy into a whole business. 
Um, so from there between, uh, I think it was between May and December, I was working part-time at a thrift store and, you know, doing other stuff on the side. And then by, by, by December, I felt, you know, comfortable enough to be like, okay, it's time to, you know, put out some feelers, see if I can get some other clients and see if I can do this full time. Mm-hmm. So I transitioned full time into being a virtual assistant, a social media manager, specifically uh, focusing on clients who run health of every size private practices. And those were dietitians, social workers, therapists, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and then, so I was doing that for a while and then I, I had waited a year between graduating and then going back to school. So I started my MSW program that next fall and then, uh, from there, I basically became the Hayes girl in the <laughs> MSW program. I'm sure. <laughs> um, and that's been fun. And then, so yes, that's what I've been doing the last, the last three, like almost three years, mm-hmm. two and a half. Um, and I'm in my last year of training right now. Yay. I'm in my, yeah. <laughs> I'm in my, um, my advanced year field, which is actually working with eating disorders uh, in a therapeutic context uh, from the health at every size paradigm, which is awesome because that basically does not exist within the eating disorder uh, professional Mm. community. Um, And I also in the last year have started um, really transitioning more into just being a content specialist. So someone who focuses on health at every size, digital content, and that includes my own art and uh, doodles and stuff that you referenced earlier, which is me basically taking my more artistic uh, desires and and using them to create these um, educational handouts that Mm -hmm. are about health at every size concepts or mental health concepts and sort of breaking them down um, and, and giving people some more language to be able to, to sort of discuss these things and explain these things to people while also being pretty. They're beautiful. Um, and I totally want to talk about them, but I did want to just backtrack a tiny bit because what I was thinking when you're, you're like, you have a journey. I'm not a big fan of the journey word, but that was a journey. Um, yeah, it's a long story. It's an, (laughs) you had an intergalactic adventure. Um, it was very long. Um, but um, what I was thinking when you were talking was um, your MSW program. I'm wondering if it's a little bit like dietetics in the very mm. weight normative context. Um, and I just wonder if you could speak a little bit to Absolutely. like when you said you're the Hayes girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I like, and I just know um, from from the dietetics point of view, mm-hmm. it, it's very everything's very weight normative. And anytime I did anything in mental health, it was very weight normative. So I'm just a little curious as to what your experience in that has been. Yeah. So I will say that a social work program is very different in the sense that everyone who comes to social work knows that we are here for social justice. Now that doesn't mean that everyone who comes is like, like knows what they're talking about. I've been in class and cringed like the cringiest cringe, you know? Um, but people who come to social work come because they know there is social inequity in the world. Um, And so in many ways, I think it's funny, actually, I was just talking about this on my most recent um, Patreon Q&A podcast. Uh, I do believe that social workers are primed for Hayes work. Mm. Um, We already understand that there is a framework that oppresses individuals based on institutions, systems, 
um, and interpersonal relationships, right? Yeah. So we already function in that way. And that makes us different than any other therapy program. That yeah. makes us different than any other healthcare program. Yeah. Um, that being said, it is very um, limited. The knowledge out there is very limited. This is still sort of like brave new world stuff for people. Like this is brand new information that there is an issue with fatness. Very often people will be like, oh yeah, of course people are terrible to super fat people. Like there's yeah. an understanding because it is a part of our culture to like actively mock fat people. Yeah. Um, but there's not as much of an understanding of, okay, this is a human rights issue. Okay, this is a... Um, this is something that this is institutional, right? So mm -hmm. there's like, there's no laws against discriminating against someone for their size in hiring. Um, yeah. I think there's only like two states that have a law in yeah. the United States yeah. for that. You know, so there's, there's systemic stuff, there's institutional stuff. Um, and then there's also, you know, there's been some research about how people experience fat phobia in the medical community as well. Mm -hmm. um, but th so there's not, basically, I will say, we're not there yet, but I think there's an opportunity to be there. Like I have, like I said, I'm a Hayes girl in mm -hmm. class. And so I always bring it up, you know, like I was in an addictions class and people wanted to talk about food addiction. And I was like, nah, um, <laughs> no, hard stop. I was, you know, <clears throat> there's, um, I, there were a bunch of, um, you know, instructional videos or concepts that people that, you know, the videos that we were given to explain the concepts would use weight loss examples. Um, I remember emailing my professor and being like, thanks for the resource. Totally get what SMART goals are, but maybe consider finding a different video <laughs> for yes. these reasons. Yes. Um, and awesome. I got like a great response back, you know, so, yeah. so every professor that I've brought this stuff up to has actually been really, really receptive to it. Like my research professor, for example, I, I wanted to talk about <clears throat> weight stigma and, you know, unfortunately there's sort of a gap in the research describing weight stigma as um, discrimination and, and acknowledging the trauma that that is, mm -hmm. right? Like we have some research talking about how um, race and, and being perceived as black, blackness, brownness can be traumatic, right? Yep. But we don't yet have that research for fatness. And so what he was saying is he was like, well, you can take uh, the research that describes weight stigma as a form of discrimination, and then you can take the research that talks about discrimination as trauma, and you can bring them together. That is how, you know, that's how we do these things in the research world. So it, it's, um, there is a chance for for social workers, I think, yeah. um, and really an opportunity uh, to be the leading um, healthcare body, uh, at least you know in the states, mm -hmm. to sort of take up this um, responsibility of dismantling the weight bias within our healthcare system um, and within our world in general. I think that's amazing. I love how supportive your professors sound when you yeah. come to them. They don't get, it doesn't sound like they get their backs up too much and they're no. willing to listen. Yeah. We've had, I've had some really excellent professors. I mean, I've also had some duds, but you know, yeah. that's sort of the nature of school. Um, but in terms of bringing, um, again, I think social workers, if, if you're a good, not a good social worker, but if you're an effective social worker, yeah, 
you know how to take feedback. You know how to take pushback. And you, if you yeah. don't know, you learn. You learn yeah. real fucking fast. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so now I'll skip back to your doodles because, mm-hmm. like, I love them. Um, and yeah, like I, I don't even have enough good words and I will link to your website in the show notes because if you haven't had a chance to look at them, you must. Um, and I honestly think I have reposted everyone you've ever put on Instagram. (laughs) Um, but you know, I, I know you spoke a little bit already about how you kind of got into that, but, um, how did you get into the inspiration of drawing and, kind of like this content and just being like, okay, this is what the world needs to see. How did you get there? And yeah. Um, so for me, um, being creative and artistic and like even saying like calling it art, it makes me uncomfortable still. Um, it's something that I've had a really hard time embracing despite the fact that I went to school for writing. And so I, I'm like a writer, which is a creative field. Yeah. (laughs) I still, I still to this day, um, have a lot of trouble trusting in my own creativity, but, um, in my own like mental health journey, I also recognized that being creative and investing in my creativity in terms of like time, money, et cetera, mm-hmm. huge active self-care for me. Um, it's something that keeps me going when all the other stuff feels extremely overwhelming. Um, And so it really started out as, okay, I want to draw more because this is something I'm drawn to and something that will help my mental health. Um, So it really just started as like an outlet to doodle, which is again, sort of why I call them doodles. It's just, I'm doodling. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And at first I was drawing on top of photos that I took my partner as a photographer. And so um, very often he'll use me for like a test shot for the lighting where he wants me to take a picture of him. Yeah. And so as a result, I have some photos of myself um, that I was like, all right, let me just draw on top of it, see what happens. Um, And so I did, and it was fun, and people liked it. And I was like, all right, like maybe I'll, I don't know, incorporate more of that into what I'm doing. And slowly but surely, it kind of evolved. Um, It was, so my very first one was about internalized fat phobia. And it actually... um, it was just a poem, the poem that's written on the doodle itself. It Mm -hmm. was, that's all it was. It was just a poem by itself. And I was going to put up a post with the poem in the caption. And I just didn't know what to put for the image. And I was like, trying, I was really trying to figure it out. And and there was also, it felt like something was missing because the poem itself, like didn't embody the, the like, caressing emotion that I wanted to get across. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, what if I just draw something? And so I did. And I drew the thing that I had written the poem about, which was like my back rolls. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, it works. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like this is, and it's great. I, I actually, I have it up on my screen right now because that's the one that I opened to first. <laughs> um, and I didn't realize, I didn't remember that it was your first one, but uh, it's so powerful. Like Thank it's, you. it's such a powerful image. And then you get into the words and you're like, wow, like it, yeah, I honestly, I kind of thought you had doodled the body and then wrote the words. 
that so, that was just my you no, know the way funny people enough, just interpret things yeah. yeah now that I'm thinking about it I think I did them almost separately mm-hmm. and then I saw them in like different parts of my iPad which is where I like write and doodle and whatever yeah. and I was like these go together this yeah. is what this needs mm-hmm. um so it was sort of like a simultaneous but separate, but I mean, and that's sort of how my creative process works. It's very weird. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and like but the way I, <laughs> if it does to me, yes, you're yeah. right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, it's funny because I actually didn't remember that this was, this was my first doodle either until somebody else asked me on a different podcast how I started. And I, <laughs> I like had to think about it. And I think I told like a different story. And then I was like, wait, wait, wait. That's totally wrong. It's this one. <laughs> it was this one. So, um, so yeah, it, it was sort of simultaneous, but it, but it also was separate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had wanted to draw a fat body, and so I had started drawing it, and then I kind of abandoned it because I was like, what, this is just rolls. Like, I don't feel anything from this. Mm-hmm. And then I had this experience that inspired the poem, and I was like, wait. This thing yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, honestly, I, I think it's very cool. Um, <laughs> and do you mind if I randomly like talk about ones that I thought were amazing? Yeah, no, <laughs> go for it. Because I, I loved the what is thin privilege and what it, and the BMI is bullshit um, thought bubble ones. Yep, the clouds. Yeah, the clouds uh, I, I purchased those from you, and I use them quite frequently because I think they're Ooh. great conversation starters. Um, and there's so much content in one spot. Like I, I almost felt like you, this was like your brain just needed to let it go. Yes. Pretty accurate. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. It definitely is. I mean, mm. it was meant to be a resource. Like I, I remember the thin privilege one was actually born out of like very fervent energy. There was a, there was a discussion on Instagram a conflict on Instagram. (laughs) Conflict is a good way of putting it. (laughs) Yes, there's a conflict on Instagram. And for some reason, as though we've never talked about these subjects before, because Mm -hmm. we of course have, but for some reason, there was a big hoopla in the Mm -hmm. wellness community about it. And people were posting and talking. And I was like, you know what? This is ridiculous. I need to put something out there because like, we need to be very clear about what we're talking about when we say thin privilege. Like there are very obvious examples. So I'm going to fucking write them down. Yeah, so I did. Yeah, and it blew up, which is hilarious to me because it's probably one of the least artistic ones I have. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, it it was it was sort of to serve a need. It was to hop into the conversation, and it became a really great resource for people. Um, you know, I will say that like something to remember with the doodles is like there's only so much space. You know, people yes. will very often be like well, this is a ridiculous statement and, you know, you haven't considered X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yeah, I did. I very much considered X, Y, Z. And let me explain to you why I decided to do this instead. Um, yeah. You know, it's unfortunate that people will often think that what's on the piece of paper or what's in your caption or whatever the post may be is the extent of your commentary on the subject. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, there's never an end to my commentary on a subject. (laughs) No, I feel the same. It's like, this is like a resting point and then there will be more later. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and there's just, there's no way to address every single individual situation when you're talking about macro level issues. Right. Um, who was I just talking to about this? 
oh, Christy, we were recording a new FAQ podcast and we were talking about how the way that we address people when they're sitting across from us as like a client is very different than how we talk about these things on the macro level online. And to equate them, I think is really a doing a disservice and mm-hmm. is, um, I mean, in many ways, it's how people try to discredit us, which is frustrating. Yes. But I think it's a really important thing to talk about because like activism is great, but it's not the same as working one-on-one with a client. Like it's yes. just very different. Very, very different. Yeah. Um, but that, that's my own little tangent. No, I think that's a, a really good point because you you do put out a lot of content um, and on the macro level, right? And it's so, and I do think people have that pushback of, well, you know, my experience was this, or um, I've seen this. And, and you're right, you can put it all on whatever size these are when you draw them. <laughs> um, and because some of them, you do put a lot of content on them. And there's yeah, still- and I get other content. feedback where it's like, I can't read it. You need to write less. <laughs> you <laughs> just funny. can't win. <laughs> no, I don't think we can ever really win in the no, whole not. grand scheme yeah. of things. Um, and I love the eating disorder iceberg. I yeah. just think that is one of the best representations, um, the iceberg for an eating disorder, because it's so true. And, um, but one thing I noticed when I scroll through all of your doodles is your color palette. Thank you. Is, <laughs> I, I love like the, the muted purples yeah. and mauves and, and greens. And was that kind of a conscious choice? Very conscious. I'm not an artistic human. Yeah, um, my but, color palette's very important to me. <laughs> I'm glad I noticed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to be not that bright, vibrant, like neon-y in your face, yeah. it's, it's very gentle. It feels very warm um, and very inviting, I find. Well, that was the goal, so thank you. Um, like I literally, the teacup makes me want to have tea <laughs> and I am a coffee girl. So that's, that's <laughs> nothing. Um, have you had any one, um, any one of your doodles that's kind of like had a whole lot more pushback? The thin privilege one for sure. Yeah. Um, that one's gotten the most pushback. Um, like the, that one also has, I think the most comments, like if you go to my Instagram, <clears throat> At a certain point, I ended up uh, limiting my comments on my profile because of that post. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Gosh. Which is fine. Um, mm. it, it wasn't like, like I wasn't in danger or anything like that. It was more of a nuisance than anything else because mm-hmm. there was so much information both in the doodle and then in the comments because I have a, a wonderful um, community that follows me who will comment and share their experience. Um, and, and, and share feedback in that way. Like, not like, oh, you're wrong, but, oh, this is really interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. Or, oh, this, um, you know, I relate to this or I don't relate to this, but I wonder and da, da, da. Uh, so there's so much content, not just in the doodles themselves, but also just in what people have added in the, in the, um, the comments below. And so people who would come in and be like, you know, this isn't a thing. And it's just like, you just like, look, yeah, <laughs> like, look, <laughs> Read and, the 56 you know, comments ahead of you. Right. And, you know, and people will be like, well, I don't have time to do that. And I'm like, all right, well, then then don't come into my space. Like, if you're not going to do the legwork, then I'm sorry, but, like, I can't have this conversation with you because you're mm-hmm. coming half-baked to this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
but yeah, that, that one's definitely the one that's gotten the most pushback. Um, but at the same time, you know, something that I will often say, even to like, you know, people that come into my DMs all angry and shit is like, look, if this content doesn't work for you, just, you don't have to be here. No one's forcing you to be here, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and, and you're not going to come at me and say I'm causing harm because you can see very clearly in the comments and on the rest of my profile that people find this very helpful and very liberatory and something that they've never seen before and very much needed. So if it doesn't work for you, that's cool. We'll somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That in all honesty, that's the one thing I've never understood is the consistently staying somewhere to, I don't know. That's just me. Um, and I, when you did the, um, the like different types of a diet culture and Mm, then we're steeped in diet culture. I just, those are brilliant because I think we are moving into this area of, but it's not a diet. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and you can really only say if it walks like a duck so many times, Um, but no. and, And just the way you've, taken it and being like, look, it's, it's our society. You know, yeah. this is what you've grown up in. I just think it's so, so cool. Okay. Um, so I feel like I could just like go through all of them, individually, <laughs> but I won't because people should definitely go to your, um, page and check them all out. Um, do you do this type of work when you say you do, um, virtual assistant, do you mm-hmm. do this type of work for other yeah. professionals? Like, the social media doodly things. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't do as many, um, commissions, uh, for my consistent clients Mm -hmm. because they take longer. Um, so most of my clients that I work with, I, they work with me because they want content to come out every single day of the week. Um, which is great and I can totally do, but I can't really do in terms of the doodles. Okay. Um, so I do a lot of um, work in Canva for that. Okay. Uh, And then if, you know, my client is like, oh, I want this particular graphic and they give me like two months to make it. um, That's how that that gets incorporated. But I also just do one-off commissions too. Like um, one of our colleagues, Corinne Dogas, actually commissioned me to do something for, uh, I think it's for her freebie. Um, you know, she wants to have uh, a doodle in there to Mm -hmm. visually conceptualize what she's talking about. Um, I've also done some commissions for, um, welcome messages for art, uh, for someone's office. Um, so I, yeah, so, and, and I actually just brought a client on, I'm starting to do some more work in terms of creating brand packages for people. So creating a logo, creating, um, a color palette, creating a collection of fonts and creating some Instagram sort of, uh, flash images, if you will. Okay. Like yeah. Little, little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like format. Yeah. Pieces, uh, that you can pop your quotes into and stuff and have everything look pretty. So, so all the yeah. stuff that everyone has that I look at, I'm like, Oh my God, how do you have the time to do that? They have you. Yes. Oh usually. <laughs> I'm like, this is so yeah. cool. How did you do this? <laughs> yeah. It's either me or, or like their web designer, you yeah. know, gave them stuff or, you know, cause I've worked with people that they're like, Oh yeah, I have some, I have, you know, stuff that my web designer gave me. Um, 
so yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm moving more into that work right now, actually. Um, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of a transition in my, my freelance work just because I'm extremely overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> and you're still in school. Like you're yeah. very busy. Yeah. yeah I'm very busy. So <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Um, so just because, you know, I'm always trying to be conscious of people's time. Um, it's just because we said you're busy. Um, <laughs> people are able to purchase your doodles and your art on your website, yes? Yep. Mm-hmm. And do you have, do you want to let people know, like, of any, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, requests of use or not use or? Oh, yeah. So um, all of the digital permissions are outlined on the purchase page itself. So if you ever like are worried that, you know, you can't use it somewhere, you can always just check that. But basically, um, if you've purchased it, you are allowed to print it as many times as you want. Um, you know, you can throw it up on social media, just, you know, shout me out because I appreciate Mm it. Um, I encourage people to use them in presentations, um, in, you know, as, as client handouts, resource sheets. Um, basically once you've bought it, you can do what you want with it. Um, just don't give credit. Yeah. Just give yeah. credit. And like, if another clinician is like, that's amazing. Can I have it? Just be like, no, you should go buy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We really should support each other in this area. Um, I actually have the dear thin providers one on my desk at work. Oh yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, do you know, and if you want to stand here and talk to me, I have a big jar of M&Ms on my desk as well. It's right behind them. So as you eat mm. my M&Ms, you can read my sign. Um, <laughs> So we'd like to kind of wrap up our, um, our podcast with asking you, what is nourishing you now? Um, it can be personally, it can be professionally, it's anything you're willing to share with other people. Um, but kind of what is filling your cup or nourishing you right now? A really good question. And one I need to reflect on because like I said, I'm exhausted. Um, and my cup does not feel full right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think What's nourishing me right now is just gentleness. That's beautiful. That's, yeah, that's not really like a, an individual thing. It's not very tangible. But, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm very overwhelmed right now. I'm in a transitional period, which are, those are always difficult for me no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, being, um, being hard on myself about it has never been helpful. You know, no. it doesn't, it doesn't get me to push through it. It doesn't make it go faster. If anything, it makes me dwell in it longer. Um, and sort of feeling capable and, and, you know, like I can't function. So instead, uh, I'm, I've been sort of trying to just really get a clearer picture on what I need. So, you know, part of that is I need to raise my rates. Like that's like, a, yeah. uh, you know, somewhat, focused on money, but, you know, it's also just focused on, you know, can I support myself? Do I feel um, extremely stressed every month when the rent's due? If I do, that's a problem and I need to address that and figure that out instead of avoiding it or, you know, piling more work on my plate as though I have the time to do it. Um, So, yeah, I think just approaching my own burnout with gentleness is um pretty pretty nourishing for me right now <laughs> i like the way for approaching my own burnout I yeah love the way you phrase that um because on top of doing your doodles and your work you're also doing a podcast right 
Yes. So I recently lost my pay. Launched, not lost. Launched. It's like, <laughs> how did you lose it? I think no. it just started. <laughs> it did. It just started. I recently launched my Patreon, which again was sort of uh, an attempt on my part to monetize the work that I'm doing online uh, because, you know, it, it does take up a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. And part of one of the perks of becoming a patron and being a monthly supporter is that you have access to uh, my exclusive Q&A podcast, which is called Navigating Nuance. And it's basically just all about navigating the topics around eating disorder recovery, weight stigma, health at every size, and all of the intricacies and complicated pieces that go into that. And, um, you know, basically, you know, like what we were saying before that there's not enough space and, you know, this is the beginning of the conversation. I wanted to have a space where I could talk more, where I could explain more, where I could explore more. And that's really what navigating nuance is. And when you become a patron, you have access to it, uh, as well as you can submit your own question, which gets priority. Um, everyone from, you know, my Instagram community can submit a question, but if a patron does, then they get, you know, first come first serve, um, or not first come first serve, they get priority because first come first serve would be the other way around. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) and then patrons also get, um, a doodle each month at a discount. Um, so yeah, so my doodles are the more simple ones are $4.99 if I recall, and the conceptual doodles are $7.99. But if you're a $5 a month patron, you get a doodle of any um, level uh, each month. So it's either like a $3 discount or it's regular price plus the exclusive perks. Cool. And you also do an amazing thing just to throw it on. Um, You let people purchase doodles for others who are unable to afford them. Yes, I do that. Yeah. So that started with my sticker sheets, which are actually sold out. But um, basically, there were a bunch of people who were saying, oh, I'd I'd love to purchase one, but I I really don't have the disposable income to buy a sticker sheet. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I set up a sponsorship for the sticker sheets. I have not set up a sponsorship for the doodles, but I should. It's a good idea. Um, That one just felt a little more complicated because there are different prices and there's different doodles. But yes, I I do try to make my work as accessible as possible. You know, like you can, um, if you don't want to be a monthly patron, but you still want to support, I have on my Instagram, if you go to my link tree, I have my Kofi, which is like a tip jar. Um, And um, I also, on my website, you can donate via PayPal, via um, Venmo. Um, So I try to be as flexible as possible with how people can support me. Mm -hmm. Um, But creating the Patreon was sort of this way of creating sustainable support, you know, monthly contribution. So um, I am trying to uh, angle people towards that if they're interested. Um, But yeah. And then you can find me on Instagram at cozy Bay. That's C O Z I B A E. And at my website at Ashley or or, yeah, Ashley, I'm through you.com. Very cool. Thank you so much for all of that. And all of the work you're putting into the universe. You are doing so many amazing things. Like it's, it's so cool. And, um, and I can honestly say one of the things that, um, I don't know, I guess blew me away kind of with meeting you is just how honest and vulnerable and real you are in human form. Um, you know, the way when you see people over, 
social, it's kind of, you almost kind of form an idea Mm -hmm. in your brain. Um, But you, that weekend that I saw you in New York, you were just, you're so present and so vulnerable and so honest. It was just, it was, it was very cool to meet a person like that in a collective. It was, so I just wanted to kind of let you know that was my. Thank you. I really Um, appreciate that. And you really seem to be putting that vulnerability into the universe. It's amazing and, uh, and hard. So I give you so much credit for what you're doing. Thank you. That's really kind. It's, it's, it's really nice when, um, you know, it being online, it's really hard to control the narrative, so to speak, you know, people yes. are gonna, you know, take away what they are going to take away from things. And sometimes you have no control over it. Usually you have no control over it. And it can be really frustrating, especially if you're someone that has issues with control. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And so it's really nice to hear that the, not that I'm like trying to create an image because I'm really just trying to project myself onto this like social platform, but um, it's, it's good to hear that who I am is coming through. Yeah, it so is. I appreciate it. At least from my viewpoint, it is. <laughs> Not that that's whatever, but um, but yeah, I, because I, I, we can be so protective of ourselves. I think. Yeah. Like, because you kind of have to be, but yeah, I For just sure. want to kind of let you know. Um, so we will put all the links to everything you have um, in our show notes. And again, I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time today to be a guest on our Nurse Circle and. Please come back again when Corey has a voice and we can, because she tends to be way more insightful than me. So <laughs> it would be very cool. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to say thank you so much. Yeah, I'm totally be happy to come on for a second episode. Awesome. Well, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Nourish Circle. Don't forget to like us on iTunes or Spotify and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Thank you.